0: Fullback belly. Three tight ends, including Havener.
1: Kuhn is the fullback with the first and goal. Kuhn gets the ball. Pile try to
2: get In for the touchdown. Back. What a great second over there. Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 20, double X, if you're using the Roman numerals, which many of you out there probably are. Uh, (laughs) Episode number 20, (laughs) season number three of the Fantasy Fullback Dive, brought to you by the good people at the Roto Street Journal. I, of course, am your host, Nat The Truth Jones, with me as always, uh, the Wolf of Roto Street himself, and we're about to have a jam-packed episode. We're about to be cramming all the big names from the Roto Street Journal in here, one after another. Just to get a piece of you in this uh, in this big grading board of yours, similar to the way that I did in the last episode, um, you know. Except you're gonna be getting it fast and furious from a lot more guys. How you doing, Wolf?
3: Absolutely. I'm ready for the uh, rapid fire showdown with three of the the best of the RSJ. Uh, in fact, I welcomed it. That's kind of the whole point of this episode is as much as I like, you know, having the main rankings in the home base, I need some feedback on them. I don't want to be just the Wolves, you know, rankings and the only thoughts in town out here. So it's good for everybody, whether I end up ultimately agreeing with Joe, uh, one of our best new writers, or CJ, the salty little prick, uh, or Jimbo, you know, the, the winner of our league. Uh, two years ago. Whether I agree with them or not, it's great for everybody else to hear the debate and know why there might be some disagreements with my grades and whatnot. So it, it could be ugly, could get heated, but ultimately I'm pumped about that. That's what creates good fantasy conversation is getting both sides of the coin and then you can ultimately decide as the listener, who do I like better? Who's making more sense to me? Um, th- this is what fantasy's made out of. So I'm pretty pumped after going through the ringer with you to, to go through it three more times tonight.
2: Why is the salt man so salty? Why is CJ so salty? What happened?
3: I dude, my only guess is that like the pregnancy porn supply out there has just really gone down. Uh, he's kind of exhausted his list of titles, and at this point, he's got nothing left to crank to because otherwise, I don't know why he's just always so wound up and salty. It doesn't make sense to me.
2: Well, they've got they've passed all these uh, laws recently where like you know you can uh, the net neutrality thing. So some feeds are going to come through faster and slower depending on who you know. And maybe the pregnancy uh, porn industry just isn't in the know and isn't doesn't have friends in high places. I don't know.
3: Hey, if this thing ever takes off, I know where CJ's money's going straight to is helping out with that industry and their web net neutrality going on. What if he just became a tycoon in that space? Uh, that would not surprise me at the least. That's like his, that's his niche. He's good at fantasy football. Pregnancy porns is real special. Just always
2: dating porn stars, but they were always pregnant. Uh exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh anyway, I, I wanna tell you one funny story before we get started. Let's uh, do it. I actually just posted this on Facebook because I thought it was pretty funny. But uh I was eating dinner, we were at the table, my wife and my kids, and um it was really, really good. And I was really full and I I said to my wife, I said, Yeah, I, I know I shouldn't, but I really want a third one. And she just looked at me like she was about to punch me in the face. Like she was so <laughs> irritated and so angry. And I was like, what? What? What's the problem? And then we hashed it out. And I was talking about wanting a third burrito.
3: She uh, thought I was I talking
2: about having a third child. That's exactly <laughs> what I
3: thought you meant too. That's why, did you see my face when you go, I want a third one? I was like, what? Do you want another one already? <laughs> oh, no, we're not having any more. Are you kidding me? Yeah, you're tied up, aren't you? Um, we're not doing that. But, uh, but
2: I did want a third burrito. They were excellent. Did you go with the third burrito? <laughs> I did. And I where, and, where were
3: you again? What what restaurant?
2: No, this was the, the table at my
3: house. Oh, you were just housing burritos yeah, at your house? Yeah. Okay.
2: It was good. We had grilled earlier. We had steak burritos and uh, it was delicious. Uh,
3: that sounds incredible. Actually. It was great. It was great. I, I love it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, not
2: three kids. <laughs> no, no, no. The two's fine. Uh, I love them both. Two's fine. That's and, the cap. <laughs> that's more than enough. Yeah. And my wife was not pleased. Uh, briefly. <laughs> briefly. Um, all right. Hilarious. Yeah. So anyway, that's what the crazy stuff that's going on. Hashtag dad life. Hashtag the truth. Um, <laughs> hashtag life. the truth yeah. dinner table. That should that should be a segment. The truth's dinner table. That tr- uh,
3: That is a new segment. The truth's dinner table already. What I've happened been... at dinner with the truth. Anyway, uh, we'll be <laughs> back right after this. Uh, Joe coming on first. Is that the plan? Joe. Uh, yep. Joe's coming on first out of Indianapolis. Our, our big oh, Indianapolis right. connection. Indianapolis, Indianapolis uh, hub. All right. Cool. Yeah, and he's got, he's got a bunch of wide receiver disputes. I and mean, he said he loved the running back rankings, was in pretty much full agreement with them. But he said there's a lot of bones to pick with my receivers. And that's good because, honestly, I tend to knock running backs out of the park, out of all the positions. I, I tend hit on the running backs more often than I miss. Uh, but receivers are where I get a little bit shakier. So I'm pretty excited that he's got some beef with me. Maybe he can set me straight or maybe I'm just going to get fired up and just go nuts tonight. Who knows? All right. Uh, when we come back, straight from Indianapolis. Indianapolis,
2: Indiana, by the way. Not to be confused with any other Indianapolis's out there. Uh, (laughs) We'll be back with Joe taking on the wolf right after this. All right. We are back. And as promised, Joe coming live from Indianapolis uh, and he's got a couple issues with the Wolf. Who doesn't? But (laughs) Joe, from what I understand, first of all, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks for thanks for taking the time. Uh, My understanding is you really like the Wolf's running backs. But man, you had some issues with some of his receivers and uh, give it to us, Joe. Give it to him straight and, and we'll go for a few minutes.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, the running backs are solid for the most part. I mean, there's a few guys I'd slide up four or five spots here and there, but, you know, ticky-tacky stuff. The first receiver I really had issue with was uh, Juju at 31. don't get me wrong, I love Juju. He's a fun guy. 31 was just a little rich for me, you know. He's going to be the third option over there in Pittsburgh. Uh, They just drafted James Washington in the second round. Not that he's going to steal all of his targets, But, you know, they made wide receiver a priority in the draft. Um, There's talk of more focus going to tight end with Vance McDonald. He predicts he'll have a breakout season. Um, And then, you know, I would just have guys like Christian McCaffrey, Diggs, Thielen, T.Y. as long as Luck's healthy. Um, I mean, you got Fitzgerald under Juju, elite tight ends like Kelsey Ertz, even Julian Edelman I would take above him. So... Um, unless there's some kind of secret that you know that I don't. Why is Juju so high for you?
3: Interesting. So um, I love Juju. One, the departure of Martavis Bryant, I think, uh, obviously opens up a ton of looks. I know, like you said, he's below Antonio Brown. He's going to be below Le'Veon Bell. Uh, but ultimately, he averaged 32.3 target share once Bryant was out of the lineup, but those other two guys were in there. So, I mean, yeah, he's the third option, but 32.3% target share is the third That's option. Third. That, that's absurd. I'm and not that sure that'll
0: continue, but yeah, I... Th- I- I see where you're coming from. Go on. Sorry.
3: So, And again, obviously, that's last year's stat, so it's not like that's a guarantee to continue on. But even as as a rookie last year, uh, Big Ben averaged 134.8 passer rating when throwing to Juju uh, last year, the highest in the league between a, a quarterback and wide receiver duo. He had 922 of his receiving yards in four of his 15 games, and those were really once Martavis Bryant was in the doghouse. So, I mean, this was a guy that finished, I think, well within the top 20 wide receivers last year as a rookie. With only starting half the season. Now he kind of goes in with a much more secure role, uh, that established chemistry that already was thriving last year. He's only got more time to build upon it. My only real concern is is this offensive coordinator going to keep that same pass heavy, you know? Fire run and gun attack going on this entire year. Uh, it, it's not so much about Juju being the third guy or whatnot because I know last year that was plenty to sustain some huge value, and now he's got an even clearer role. Uh, it was the wide receiver, yeah. He, you know he dominated last year, and that's that last half, and I just see him kind of building off that. So I'm pumped about him. I'm I'm thrilled.
0: All right. Well, if we're in the draft together, you'll be taking Juju well before I do. Um, we will huh. be in the
2: draft <laughs> together. Like definitely, we'll be in the same draft. Uh, we
0: got you this year. I missed out last
2: year. Yeah, you're in. Yeah, you're yeah. on the pod. You're in. Uh, Let's do it. Joe, beef number two. What, what? what else you got?
0: Beef number two, and I'm surprised because um, you know I I have a tough, tough time with those Patriots, but Edelman and Hogan just need to be higher. I mm. mean, they're ranked 57 and 84, 200 targets from last year. Open up with Brandon Cooks and Amandola leaving. Hogan had four catches and 60 receiving yards in four games i'm sorry in six out of the nine games he played Mm -hmm. in last year so he's pretty consistent um and then on the edelman side 2016 last full season 98 catches over 1100 yards only three touchdowns but that was the year that blunt had the fluky 18 rushing touchdowns and i'm not worried about the touchdowns with omandola that would come back and then, I mean, who else is going to compete for targets there? Of course, Gronk's going to get his, but Dorsett, a 30-year-old Kenny Britt, Jordan Matthews. I just kind of see mm-hmm. Hogan and Amendola being able to hog a lot of those targets in an offense we know is going to be very productive.
2: Wolf, why, why, why so low on the Patriots? You don't like the Patriots?
3: <laughs> we know we know that's not true in the least anybody who's <laughs> listening to this podcast know it has nothing to do with my feelings about the patriots I, and honestly this is going to be a hard one to justify because I, I listen to everything you say there i'm like as a patriots fan of course i love everything in particular hogan i'm surprised i have down at 84 i think that's a very fair call out with with brandon cooks leaving a lot of vertical routes have been opened up especially you know those streaking routes down in the red zone um where where cooks did a lot of his damage there's not a real clear replacement on this roster that i'm looking at that's like oh he's going to inherit those targets i see hogan totally being capable of that it's not going to be philip dorset you're an indie guy you know dorset's done jack shit his entire career yeah. and i don't see that changing <laughs> anytime um so yeah i think i think hogan's a very justifiable call, uh, call out Edelman, it's, you know, is he fully healthy? He's older at this point. Uh, obviously, he's going to be the focal point of that passing attack, you know, ch- churning the chains. We really missed him last year. That void was heavily felt. And what's funny is with this callout, I've ended up on with Julian Edelman on every single draft wizard I've done this offseason. Every single time, he ends up being my fifth or sixth round pick, so... I guess I'm kind of in agreement with you, and I maybe need to evaluate who I have above them because I end up taking Edelman in almost every single draft. Hogan should be more on my radar. I think these are two very good call-outs that you're not going to get any disagreement from these in this sense. I'm looking at my rankings right now, and it's like ultimately, though, who would I put Edelman above him? I'm at wide receiver 19 right now, uh, and I have – you know I, I look at the list above him. The only guys I'm like, yeah, maybe I'd put him above is like Golden Tate because Edelman's kind of a, a souped up version of that and a higher powered offense. Um, but then I'm looking at Juju and Thielen and Gordon and Evans and Tyreek. You know, he, I already have Edelman pretty high. So I think it's more about I, I just like the upside of a little bit a little bit more of these other guys. But I, I can't really disagree with you. I, I you know, I love Edelman, and I love Hogan, and I think the target shares. 200 targets, I didn't even do the math. It's a healthy amount opened up for two good receivers and obviously a very explosive attack. The only other thing would be Sony Michel. Are you worried at all that them taking him in the first round signals they might be transitioning in Tom Brady's late season, you know, late game, uh, late stage of his career? Are they going to be transitioning more run-heavy, do you think, because they take Sony Michel in the first? Or is it still going to be the the Tom Brady show? That's the only other question mark I'd bring up.
2: You're reading way too much into that pick, Wolf. That there's no there's no way that signals like a 180 like in their philosophy. They're just picking whoever they're picking. It's not a
3: 180. I know it's even a a 90,
2: even like a 70. (laughs) It's it's not even just like a
3: slight, uh, you know, acute angle, just a little bit leaning. No, no, I
2: just I don't buy it. I think they just go for the best player available that they, and I think that that was the guy, and I think it was a good pick. I will just say of the names that everything that Joe said, I agreed with, just like you, Mm -hmm. kind of. But then it came down to when I went against you last week. I was specifically trying not to say okay. I would go higher. Or go. I was always trying to find someone that I would put them above. Um, mm-hmm. And when you listed off the players above them, I would definitely take Edelman over Golden Tate. But every yeah. other guy you listed, I was like, I don't know. That's so, kind
3: of what it came down to for me. You know, it, it, Golden Tate was the only one that I looked at. That was like, yeah, I could, I could, and I usually do take Edelman above Golden Tate. So I don't know why that. Yeah. I think it's the grades. You know, we sorted them in uh, the grades last week, Nat. Uh, ultimately, my rankings and grades is a few disparities, and that's one of them that I have Edelman graded a little bit lower than Golden Tate. Probably the risk is a little bit higher coming off the knee surgery, but I, I'd take his upside every time of the week over Golden Tate.
0: Yeah, yeah, I guess uh, you know he is going to be what thirty-two this year, coming off a uh, ACL injury. Um, yeah, so I could definitely see that being a concern. I would just say, you know, I know you guys you like to go for the risk. I kind of yes. like to go for the sure thing a little more. So I would take him over a guy like Allen Robinson, who has mm-hmm. one good season in his career. Um, like I, I already said I'd take Edelman over Juju. So there's a few guys I would take him over. Yeah. Um, but I definitely see the concern with the injury. You've got to be a little cautious of that. Yeah. And then with Michelle, I think it's not so much Michelle. I think the bigger thing that can make him more run heavy is if left tackle is just an absolute fallout after Soldier leaves, and they can't mm-hmm. protect Brady. Mm-hmm. Brady. Maybe then they run a little more, but other than that, they they've never been super pass heavy and uh, completely abandoned the run. That's a never great point,
2: run. Joe. Actually, that's about true. the the solder point. Um, and I will say this: I would also take Edelman over Allen Robinson. So that's a I, I agree with you on on that as well. Uh, beef number three. Is there a third beef? There we hope there's a third beef. I got more
0: beefs. Okay. I think uh, beef it up, Let's Cam go. Cam Meredith at seven seven is really rich for me. Um, I get the excitement you know he's with the breeze he had a good year a couple seasons ago with almost 900 yards Um, but when you look at that Saints offense now it's it's not the same gunslinging offense that it used to be Um, he's not going to eat into Michael Thomas's targets we know that so there were only 139 targets last year from the Saints that didn't go to um, Michael Thomas or position other than mm-hmm. receiver. So, AK there's only 139 targets that went to receiver. Not 70 of them went to Ted Ginn, who's still on the roster. Um, it's still going to have a role in some capacity. We know that. The other 38 went to Brandon Coleman. I think he'll definitely out Brandon Coleman for targets, but Coleman mm-hmm. could still get some snaps because he's a good run blocker. Um, and then the league-low 63 targets went to tight ends last year, which is kind of surprising with the Saints, who used to heavily target tight ends. They signed Ben Watson in the offseason. I know he's 37, but he's coming off 61 catches, 500 yards, four touchdowns with Baltimore. The guy had 70-plus catches, 800 yards, six touchdowns his last season with the Saints 2015. So I can see a lot more targets start to go back to the tight end. They drafted receiver third round, who can he's got height. He can run, he can jump. Um, And I think New Orleans throws less. We saw their attempts go from 674 in 2016 down to 536 in 2017. And that was because of their defense was allowing eight less points a game. I think their defense got even better this offseason. So it might not be the air raid offense that we're used to at in New Orleans. So the perceived opportunity for Meredith might not be as great as we think it is.
3: Well... I would say, I think the defense is the big thing I'm kind of undervaluing in this whole equation. You're right, maybe that is what led to this run heavier attack. Uh, but when you look at their history, it's just always been you know, in, in nine of his last 10 years, Breeze has had 32 touchdowns or more. He's almost always at that 5,000 yard barrier. And so when I look at regression of the means, I think this might be positive regression for Breeze, especially when you look at Ingram being out for those first four weeks. If they kind of establish this pass-heavy flow early to kind of compensate for his absence, I could see them just kind of riding that out. I think that the defense is a really good point because that is like, I was going to say, well, what's the anomaly? Why did it go from this air raid offense for 10 straight seasons of Breeze throwing 32 touchdowns and nearly 5,000 yards? The defense did have a big part in that. Uh, But ultimately, I just – I don't see Breeze staying as low as he did. 22 was like his lowest since I think 06 with like the Chargers or something like that. It's insane. I I think he gets closer to 30 touchdowns. I think a big reason why – uh, they lacked in the touchdowns it Was because he didn't have a target really outside of Michael Thomas, especially in the red zone. We looked at Marquise Colston, you know, so many years ago, that just big-bodied guy that still has very nimble, quick feet. You put him into the slot and it's just a complete mismatch nightmare. They've already kind of hinted that that's what they view Meredith as. Peyton's already said it. We have a very specific role in mind for him. We we acquired him for a reason, and we love what he brings to the table. And you have to imagine he's kind of alluding to this Colston-type role as a, a slot mismatch nightmare. I mean if if Cameron Meredith can have 1920 he had 38 point day even with Matt Barkley at quarterback I mean he had some massive fantasy explosions just two seasons ago with god-awful talent thrown to him I can only imagine what he does when he's got an actual good play caller and he's got a legitimate hall of famer thrown in the ball uh my only concern would be like you said the defense keeps games still you know they play as well as they played last year if not better and it does maintain that run heavy attack I just think this positively regresses back to that passing heavy uh uh, way for drew Brees, especially now that he's got a weapon that can do so much damage i'm a believer in the talent of meredith i believe in the surrounding talent uh the question would be usage like you said the targets are they going to be there i think they're going to reemerge this year especially with ingram's early uh early season suspension
0: okay yeah uh you got a lot of good points i like meredith i just think he belongs a little closer to 100 than 77. I know you would never put um, the merriest bitch-ass Thomas above m- your boy Meredith. Oh, God. But- I
2: hate the <laughs> Not unless he <laughs> starts <laughs>
3: eating some steak again. <laughs> again. <laughs> no, no, the Wolf hates his diet. Um, well, <laughs> right. guys, like,
0: and, and the functions. good news
3: about Meredith, too, before we move on, I mean, he's going like at 160 right now. I mean, you can get him in yeah. round 11, 12, 13. So even if I have him up, it's like 70, 80. I don't, I don't end up taking him till round 10, 11, 12. I have him in every single mock draft I've done because he's always there in round 10, 11. But that doesn't mean you have to buy him at the the, the way I'm raking him. He's going to be on every single one of my teams if this doesn't correct itself. All right.
2: That's Sorry, go ahead. No, no that's all right. That's our time.
3: Um... Uh... Joe, uh, great
2: disagreements with the Wolf. Uh, what do you got? How can we reach you at social media if the folks out there hear this and they're like, man, I like what this guy's all about. I want to.
3: You did want to bring up Nat, guy. one of your favorites. He sent me this list earlier. So I want to I get your take on this too, Nat. He all had right. beef with one other beefy guy. You're sucking <laughs> me in. What, what do you got? Who's the, who's the beef that you got left, Joe?
0: Well, I got a couple beefs left. Um, Give us the beefiest. You, the beefiest would be your boy, or not your boy, but Calvin Benjamin. Um,
2: <laughs> he's definitely is the, beefiest. the beefiest. He's the definitely beefiest the beefiest. Sure. Let me tell you I about that say... guy. That guy, he eats meat. Oh, yeah.
3: <laughs> he is not, yeah, he's not Demarius Thomas. If he's he and Demarius
2: his... Thomas went out to dinner together, he would be like finishing Demarius's. He'd be like, You're going to eat that? absolutely anyway talk to me about calvin benjamin real quick
0: uh i just think he's finally healthy now i mean he said it in a quote he said this is his words coming off the acl i never felt the same they say it takes two to three years for that acl to really come back so i feel good right now i feel as strong as ever lightest as ever and i'm just having fun i know talk is cheap this time of year but it does take some time, especially for a bigger-bodied player putting so much weight on that knee to come back. Mm-hmm. He played through meniscus injury last year, and I just don't see any competition for targets in that offense. Say Jones, they somehow have both Raiders backups, Andre Holmes and Rod Streeter. J- Jeremy Curley in the slot isn't going to compete with him. And I can just see inexperienced quarterbacks like A.J. McCarron and Josh Allen throwing him a lot of jump balls in the red zone. So, I mean... I don't think he belongs in the 50s or anything, but he's ranked at 114 now. I think he could probably push the 80s. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, when you rank him 114, is that with or without the motorized Walmart scooter that that he would be riding around <laughs> with to go over passes? Is that like with or without the scooter?
3: That's uh, that's without the scooter. I'm not sure if they're going to let that on the NFL field. I'd have to reconsider and pro- he'd approach the 80s if he's allowed to get the speed of the scooter. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> as his own big body goes. There's not much speed and anything going on there. And so, I mean, when you're betting on him, this is a pure volume bet. And I actually like (laughs) those type of bets. I mean, you know he's going to be approaching 100, uh, maybe even 130 type targets. Because like you said, they have no one else. Charles Clay, you know, a decent secondary option. But you're right. He has that alpha wide receiver one status there. But ultimately, does it matter when you have garbage thrown to you? Your talent's really not that much anyways. Yeah, he's a big guy that can go get the jump ball, but can he get a guy that delivers in the jump ball in the first place? Those are two major question marks for me, is his own talent and his own surrounding talent. Uh, So, you know, yes, volume. We call it fantasy fast food. We've been calling it the last couple weeks because it's kind of like you can just eat nugget after nugget after nugget, and you feel some, like, minuscule – feeling of satisfaction and by the end of it you're like okay that was decent like that's what he's gonna probably end up being is he just feasts on so much volume a Lamar Miller-esque kind of guy that just puts up his seven points every couple weeks and then maybe has a touchdown and gets to 12 I just don't see much that gets me excited or like being like yep I'm getting Kelvin Benjamin in my lineup this week I feel like it would take me a lot to ever put him into a lineup and I don't usually draft guys like that so
2: we'll see let me just say as as we're closing out that two years ago the wolf and I after week one of the NFL season said (laughs) that we thought that Kelvin Benjamin was maybe the best receiver in the NFL except maybe AJ Green (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh, remember, remember because we, game
2: we're, game. we're, we're recency bias guys. Like it was like, I remember in week one, it was like every was ball they the threw up. Yeah. It was against the Broncos. It was also the yeah, game. that, was a that, really that good game. It was a great game for him. Cam Newton also practically got murdered in that game. Yeah. Uh, by Vaughn yeah, Miller, if memory serves.
3: Uh, but anyway, and then, and then he had two touchdowns. The right. Next and week, then we were and like, like, and
2: then we had a team together, a high stakes team. And we got Kelvin Benjamin and we were counting our money. And then yep. he didn't <laughs> score again for like eight weeks. Um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, great having you on the show, Joe. What's your social media if people want to want to contact you? Hit me
0: up on Twitter, Fast Take Fantasy. Um, I'm always on there tweeting, retweeting everything I see. So let me know what you think of uh, my opinions, and I'll, I'll shoot them right back at you.
2: Awesome. Thanks Fantastic. a lot, Joe. We appreciate it.
0: Thanks for having me. Ace
2: the creator.
3: O-F
2: property we come
0: through bribbing like thunderstones make the fees get wet and funky you' been they
2: under arms I'm too explosive for your ears like i a'm throwing in bombs with the exclusive for the channel bitch. all right we are back and we are welcoming Jimmy Jimmy Mac I mean this is this is some good stuff here we haven't had Jimmy on the show for how many months it's been many many months this is you know one of our daily fantasy gurus. And he's coming in to you know give the wolf a hard time about some of his grading. He says he doesn't have specific beefs; he just has some questions. Jimmy has some <laughs> questions for the wolf, and I'm glad to see that. But I have a couple questions for Jimmy, actually, uh, some basketball questions before we started. Jimmy, you're a huge Celtics fan, right?
4: Um, well, you're I a huge say... you're a
2: huge Duke fan.
4: Yeah, I'm more of oh. a Duke. I'm not, I'm not a huge Celtics fan. I mean, I, I you're like not. What the Celt-
2: fuck's wrong
3: with you?
4: I'm, <laughs> I'm you a college guy.
3: Area?
4: Yeah, I'm a college guy. Not really. So, an who's NBA your NBA guy. team? that's the celtics but i mean i'm not going to say i'd love the celtics well you, you, but you
2: but jason tatum on the celtics has got to be a nice thing for you yes that is that is a wet dream that's a perfect combination so let me ask you this i've heard some rumors i don't know if they're true or not There, Kawhi leonard to the celtics has been floated and i'm 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 a believer. Before Kawhi Leonard kind of went crazy and got hurt last year, I felt like he was clearly probably the second best player in the NBA, and like the ultimate system player. Um, if you didn't have to give up Tatum or Kyrie, would you pretty much would you give up almost anything else? Like if you had to give up, say uh, Gordon Hayward, Rozier, maybe a draft pick, would you do that to bring Kawhi Leonard in? Probably. I think that would make sense. Yeah okay i was checking i think that would i agree to you. I think that would make them unbelievable unstoppable um would you bring in lebron uh to the celtics or would, no. would that no is that just I, I don't LeBron? want
4: that piece of shit anywhere near or wearing no nope yeah. he's not allowed yeah. to play yeah. for the city of yeah. boston the last no. thing you want no, is to
2: bring in a guy that's going to get you 40 10 and 10
3: every night so you're right no thank you absolutely no.
2: don't want any of that here <laughs> Uh, no,
4: well,
3: he sucks himself off the entire time. Thanks.
4: Yep. I the... think C- if LeBron came to Boston, I think CJ would literally explode.
2: Oh, a... <laughs>
3: yeah, he would hate his life. He
2: wouldn't allow that to happen. He would explode in a bad way? He would be salty? Oh, yeah. yeah. The, salt, the, the, salt the
3: salt would not salt, stop
2: pouring.
4: It spews enough as it is with LeBron, but him in Boston, I think it would it would just be a pure salt field. It would, uh, I'm a huge it would
2: be, I'm a huge LeBron fan, just for the record. I think he's great. Oh. I'm also a huge Kawhi Leonard fan, which is why I brought that. Although I'm really disappointed with what he did this year. Um, all right, let's get let's talk football for a little while, Jimmy. I'm, I'm going to turn things over to you. You had some questions for the Wolf. Ask the Wolf did, some questions.
4: All right, Wolf. So you know, I scoured through your rankings, you know, with a fine tooth comb. Yeah. Uh, you know, I do agree with pretty much everything you have in here. You know, I look at these, I was like, all right, they all make sense. I like what they got. All the guys that I was thinking, you know, could be good sleepers this year, they ranked a little bit higher than like your consensus picks. So it's like we're on the same wavelength here. But there were a few that I kind of jotted some notes down. that was like, you know, kind of scratched my head a little bit. Uh, under quarterbacks, Tom Brady—he's got a low surrounding talent score. I mean, he's got Edelman and Gronk. Is I mean, is it the loss of Cooks? Is it and uh, Dion? Is that what's kind of
3: driving his score down low? Uh, so it's a combination of yes i think his weaponry took a pretty big hit losing a deep threat like cooks um but ultimately, it's also the line. Losing Solder, no left tackle right now that's established on the roster does make me a bit concerned. Obviously, I love Dante Skarni. I think he's the, one of the best, if not the best, line coach ever been in the NFL every time he's played. I mean, every time he's been coaching, our line's been just worlds better than without him. I think Isaiah Wynn could pan out huge and just become that franchise anchor. But until I see that, I'm a little bit skeptical, especially when you got a guy the age of Brady is Obviously, we know how well the guy takes care of himself. We watched him get rubbed down for 20 minutes an episode of uh, Tom vs. Time, and I turned me on all 20 minutes. I was jealous beyond belief of that job that the trainer gets. Regardless, uh, you know, being that exposed to some more hits this year could be a, a big detriment. So it's more the line than anything. We know Tom, he got done with friggin' like Roche Caldwell and Jabbar Gaffney. I'm not too worried about the receiving talent as I am the line. That's where that comes in.
4: All right, that's fair. That makes sense to me. I like that he's still in your top four and I mean as long I like that top four group you have of Watson, Rogers, Wentz and Brady. You know, I think mm-hmm. that's that's perfectly represented for your top tier quarterbacks right there.
3: And it, actually I have Brady ranked ahead of Wentz. This is we kind of me and Nat went and sorted this by the score. So it looks like I graded Wentz higher, uh, but have Brady ultimately higher in my rankings. There's gonna be a few discrepancies like that as we go through it. Um, I don't I, I want to be like a slave to the grades and like have to keep the grade. You know my rankings it's, the way it's they're graded very out. Very
2: similar to the uh, Edelman Golden Tate uh, disagreement that exactly. we had with Joe last uh, yep. just a few minutes ago, actually.
3: Right, like, would I rather have Brady or Wentz? Of course, I'd rather root for my fucking hometown boy, the goat. You know, the greatest player that's ever touched this league. Of course, I'd pick him over Carson Wentz, even if Wentz grades a little bit better because of things like surrounding talent and all that good stuff. More questions, right. Jimmy.
4: Uh, one more on the quarterbacks. I know you love Patrick Mahomes. He's your quarterback this year. Uh, a little, little bit of a question mark for me, the usage of a 24 out of a 25. I mean, I know sometimes Andy Reed just like, he just freezes up and he forgets that he has Kareem Hunt in the backfield, but do you think they're going to be throwing that much, um, in his first year with that much talent at running back in the backfield?
3: And so that's actually a great call out, Jimmy. I'm glad you did that one because I recently updated this as I finished out his stock profile. I just forgot to put it on the Google doc we have here. I bumped it down by two points in my my stock profile because I dug in a little bit more to Andy Reid's tendencies. And he does have a weird way of like just being unpredictable. Like you said, with Kareem Hunt, we will randomly just fade Kareem Hunt. He'll randomly fade out, especially with this new uh new quarterback coming in and trying to protect him a little bit i could see his usage taking a little bit more of a hit uh over 24 but in his history Reed's always he's ranked in the top half of the league in pass attempts in well over half his seasons um he, he, you know He's typically logged 30 to 40 pass attempts every single game, whether you look at Alex Smith or Dunham and McNabb. Uh, So he's a very pass-heavy guy. And then you look at the weaponry. Can't you just see Reed kind of being one of those guys that's like, oh, everyone's going to question. I let Alex Smith go. Well, here's why. Let me unleash this complete cannon arm that I have here. Uh, Look at the Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. You look at the weaponry. And I just think in terms of just the usage isn't just pass attempts. It's the fact that this guy can run the ball as well. He can run it well in the red zone, too. So, I mean, he's going to have plenty of rollouts. Creative usage is part of that as well. RPOs, uh, you know, all that stuff, rollouts. We saw Alex Smith doing RPOs last year. And, yeah, he's athletic, but, I mean, Mahomes takes it to another level. So, I think in terms of usage, it's not just the pass attempts. It's how creative he's going to be used, um, especially in the red zone areas. So I, I love all that, but I did bump it down just a couple spots after digging in a little bit deeper into Andy Reid. All right, so more, fair call-out.
4: More questions, Jimmy? Uh, not from quarterbacks, no. I mean, and, that oh, everything else is pretty much spot on.
2: In the quarterbacks or anywhere? Because, I mean, you're allowed to question him on anything, even if it's not football-related. If you want to question him on, like, you know, what the hell's with that beard or something, you can question him (laughs) on that. Um, Beard's dead
3: sexy. Come on.
4: I got got a couple other notes that I wrote down. Um, How did
3: Antonio Brown not get a perfect score? So... Antonio Brown, as compared to DeAndre Hopkins, let's say, at risk, if Big Ben goes down, we've seen Antonio Brown become borderline unusable. We've seen 35 yard games when it's Landry Jones at quarterback. I do think Mason Rudolph, I should probably think about that a little bit more because he's, he's a much better backup, in my opinion, than uh, Landry Jones would have been. So that maybe maybe I'll bump that up just a little bit, but then he'd be a perfect score. I don't think he deserves a perfect score. Uh, but in terms of, I mean, he rated out perfect talent. You got 30, got 25 for usage. He got 14 for surrounding talent. Um, you know, he's pretty much damn perfect other than risk. And, I you know, scheme. If Todd Haley's there, it was a perfect 10. But the fact that they're transitioning to Frank Richter and nobody knows exactly what this guy's going to do. You think if he's an NFL uh, QB's coach and they, they turn to him over Todd Haley, who they've had – four straight top seven offensive seasons under they must like what they see in this guy and they probably aren't going to change anything too, too drastic but first day OTAs Big Ben came out and said this is a completely new offense so I mean are you working out some kinks here Todd Haley's made his money targeting number one receivers just voluminously whether it's Larry Fitz or whether, you know, obviously Antonio Brown for so many years, he's just loved even Dwayne Bow in the Chiefs. So it's not just like he had two elite talents. He peppers his number one guys, and that was working in Antonio Brown's favors. Who knows if this Richter guy is going to come in and try to put a different fingerprint on this offense. Just a couple little question marks keep him from being absolutely perfect.
4: Okay. All right. I can see that. That, uh, that clears up some points for me. Well,
3: you can gonna sh- sleep again tonight. I'm glad.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to shift over to running back real quick. Ooh, uh, okay. David Johnson, he's got an eight listed under his scheme right now compared to the the Barkleys and the Zekes and the Bells and Gurleys that have nines and tens. What about uh, David Johnson's scheme is lower than that, where he's basically the main option in the offense who they want to get, you know, uh, 100 receptions and, like, 300 carries, and basically as many touches as they can possibly get.
2: And he's a year yeah. he's a year removed
3: from being the top player in fantasy. Right, okay. Granted, the if Bruce Arians was still there, I wish I could give it a 30 out of 10 because Bruce Arians was the epitome of workhorse like bell cow to the point that it was just psychotic. He would give you 400 carries and 200 targets if he could. And so if it was Bruce Arians still there, then I'm all in. I love it. You look at Mike McCoy, obviously you hope that he's smart enough to just do what Bruce Arians did and use David Johnson nonstop all game. Steve Wilkes has already come out, the head coach, a defensive guy, and said there's nothing more deflating than a team that can run the football all over you. So that's going to be our building, Brock. That's our basis. And we have a, one of the premier backs in the league in David Johnson. So you, you think he's going to still be that focal centerpiece and probably will be. Um, and this grade was before. OTA reports recently came out that you know Johnson's been lined up at receiver he's been all over the field already looks fully healthy all that good stuff starting to come out but Mike McCoy's history is very spotty. He's always had one receiving back, one power back. Of course, he's never had a, a talent like David Johnson. You know, some some people just transcend scheme. David Johnson seems to be one of those guys. He's versatile enough to transcend any scheme. But Mike McCoy's I, there's a history. I, I have it saved in my computer somewhere where he's only had one running back, one in like 15 years of coaching. Uh, so there's a little bit sketchiness here with the coach in terms of past running back production. A guy like David Johnson is certainly talented enough to surpass that. Um, and early OTA usage suggests that he is going to surpass that. But Mike McCoy does sketch me out a little bit, especially when you compared him to some of those other war workhorses you mentioned where I don't think there's any question about how they're going to be used. All right, Jimmy, one more beef. You got one more issue, one more question for the Wolf? Uh, darkest yeah, question. I'll give you
2: one more. Um, let's see. I'll ask you, Wolf, why haven't you seen
3: Infinity War yet? What's your problem? I know. I have like eight students that I keep promising I'm going to go see it so we can finally talk about it. And every week I come in, they're like, we're not doing your homework until you do yours. Are you one of these
2: guys that's like, oh, (laughs) everybody likes it? It's made $2 billion. Uh, No, I like more independent artsy movies.
3: I am not. No, that's not about my style. I love big blockbusters. I love the Marvel movies. It's it's honestly disgust myself that I haven't gone and seen it yet because it is right in my wheelhouse of movies. I'm not I'm not an artsy independent guy. Now I, I got to go see it. I there's no real excuse other than I I don't know. I've All been right. busy with the Rother Street. I guess
2: Jimmy, I bought you like a minute there, and I put him on the defensive. So knock him out right here.
3: That was
4: perfect. All right. Um, well, I'm on the L- Leonard Leonard for currently marked as a seven under risk. I'm hoping that's just injury related because I feel yeah. like he's as safe as you can possibly get. You know, he's he's the first option in that offense where, you know, Blake Bortles, if they're not playing in London, he's nothing special. You know, he's a guy that's good for at least 100 yards a game. Uh, goal line bulldozer. I feel like he's he's pretty low. I mean, he's he doesn't have the high ceiling, but I feel like he's so his floor is much higher than everyone else's.
2: It's so funny because last episode I went at the wolf and said almost exactly uh, the opposite of what you just said. But go ahead, Wolf.
3: It is. So, Jimmy, you brought up the exact point that makes Fournette risky in my eyes. It's 100% injury related. When he's on the field, he's as consistent as they come. He topped double digits in 11 out of 13 games played last year. So, I mean, the guy gets it done. And he gets it done really well. And then his offensive line gets upgraded with Andrew Norwell. So, I mean, in terms of when he's going to be on the field, I have no concerns about him. his ability to get 10 to 15 to even 20 points. So, risk-wise on the field, there's none. But, all, you know, the, the injuries are a major concern. He had foot injuries all throughout college, ankle little things. Um, he had some injury concerns last year, had to miss some time. So it is ultimately all injury-related. And the injuries he sustained are the ones that can linger year to year and don't just go away. So that's what makes me most nervous about him, um, 100% is the injuries. Plus, yeah, Blake Bortles obviously in London is a god and will get sucked off by anybody that he comes across, man or female, when he's in London. But ultimately, you know, he is. Very good pedestrian. good <laughs> It's a huge point. That's the, the key for his floor right now. Uh, but, but when he's not in London, he can just combust at any point. I know he put together a pretty solid season last year, uh, but I could totally see Blake Bowles just completely shitting himself and this offense just taking a huge step back. So there, there's a little bit more risk to him, not so much his own on-the-field ability, but his injuries and everything else around him makes me just a little bit nervous about Fournette. That sums up my opinion, too, Wolf. I just... I, I would not be
2: shocked at all to see Jacksonville just revert back to you know being Jacksonville again, and I, I don't know. Possibly I put too much injury risk on Fournette, but to me he just seems like a huge injury risk. Even though possibly there's not evidence to support that, that's just kind of there how is evidence though. Well, it's, but it's maybe, true, but yeah. maybe not enough evidence to support how much of an injury risk I look at him as. Like I look yeah. at him, as like ah, oh, it could happen, and it's like not. I mean, you know, every running back's an injury risk. He does have some injury history. There's something in my head that just makes me uneasy about Fournette, I have to admit. Yeah, he scares
3: and, the shit out of me. I don't and, know what it is. Something we'll in my gut just like,
2: it sits like a bad piece of cheese in
3: my stomach thinking about Fournette sometimes. I was
2: just thinking the same. I was just thinking about, you know what Fournette's like? He's like a bad piece of cheese in my stomach. <laughs> it's exactly, it's like one mind here.
3: Um, We're on the same wavelength, yeah. baby. <laughs> All right, Jimmy. Uh,
2: that's it. Uh, you got anything, any social media you want to pump up? Any just last comments you want to throw out uh, for the general public to hear? Um, no,
4: just, I mean, keep listening to the pod, subscribe, uh, follow the Wolf and everyone else on social media for, you know, all your up to date
3: fans. You don't want stuff. your own followers, Jimbo Slice?
4: Uh, I mean, I don't tweet as much as you do, at least for <laughs> fantasy. So, I mean,
3: we'll I, change I, I that next year. Play. Jimbo yeah. Slice is going to become a, a face of this. I, I, I want that face out there more.
4: Yeah. If you really want to follow, it's at the J McGinnis, um, You'll, you'll probably turn you off but you know come football season it, it gets a lot better so
2: all right you heard it here first folks thanks a lot jimbo slice jimmy Mac, the one the only thanks for joining us
4: appreciate it guys
2: All right, we are back, and we have had some two fire guests so far. Uh, If this were baseball – well, first of all, if it was baseball, no one would be listening. But uh, if it were baseball, we would have two men in scoring position right now, second and third, and, oh, here comes the salt man from the on-deck circle. Um, (laughs) If the salt man comes up in this position – is he going to strike out looking? That's my question. Mm-hmm. Is he going to watch a change-up right down the middle, not even take <laughs> the bat off his shoulder, just turn around and, and head to the dugout? Is that what's going on?
3: I think it's more... <laughs> I think he'll give it a, a little, like, he'll make a little contact on it. It's just going to be a little blooper to first, though. It's not going to be But he's not going to run it. He's not going to run he's it He's not going to try to run it out. He's going to see it. He's going <laughs> to spit and piss. He's going to walk to the dugout, not even try. But he'll he'll take the bat off his shoulder. He won't just sit there and do nothing, but it'll be just about nothing is what I'm kind of predicting. All right, and of no, course, I, could,
1: I could see like a like a warning track shot and I think it's going out and I do like a little like Sammy Sosa hop, but yes, it lands on the warning track. But it,
2: or, or not even the warning track, like sixty feet short of the warning track. That didn't yeah, have right. the opposite field and power. Still you you and of course all this fanfare is just a way of saying CJ the Salt Man is back on the fantasy fullback dive. How you doing, man?
1: I'm good. I think this is the first time since um the prop bets podcast, I think. Yep,
2: that's true. First time and you're, and honestly, oh, wow. you're, you're pretty solid on that one. So, you know, possibly your reputation, like, you know, maybe it's like, you remember when LeBron had that really bad final in like 2010 or something, uh, 2011 it, actually. against the Mavs. <laughs> and then everybody, yep. you know, everyone's like, oh, he's a choker. And it's like, yeah, that was like eight years ago. Once uh, I think the salt man maybe has been unfairly maligned uh, because, because of the failure of the salt man segment back in the day
3: <laughs> that was such a bad segment though it's like that's gonna be tough to ever fully recover from you know yeah, what i mean but that's what i was forced i was, forced, I was forced it's like when chevy chase had a him, talk
2: show
3: right it just it'll always haunt him and us in my nightmares for forever
2: you told me his girlfriend had words for him about after that like she, yeah she wasn't happy yeah, you no, should, none of us you you should,
3: should get her on. She'll have more words to say about. It. I'd love to have her on. tell her <laughs> Yeah, these days she's not the girlfriend anymore. She might have some fantastic words about it. Well, then CJ's. I definitely right.
2: want to get her on and I want to hear I'll more get about it. We're we we're, we're capping this at 10 minutes, but I mean like that sounds like another half hour in itself. So oh, uh, yeah, we'll do this another time.
3: <laughs> that would be hilarious.
2: We're going to, but let's not let's not tell them there Let's not tell her she's on the air. Let's just like be like, "Hey, we'd like to facilitate a conversation." <laughs> right.
1: That'd be very interesting. Yeah, it'd be that, that, that'd be the highest clicked on podcast. I think would have. Dude, I would.
2: I would download. <laughs> the internet it is time.
3: buzzing for the CJ Lorraine episode. And we could have Seamus on and be
2: like, Seamus, what did you think of that?
3: Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Seamus' perspective. This is impressive.
2: good. No, Seamus, we need to get Seamus back on. Anyway, we we digress. This that. is just three minutes of just like we've been going back and forth. I haven't even asked CJ a football question yet. Um, mm-hmm. CJ, I hear through the grapevine. That you have some questions about kind of this, you know, section on the Wolves grading board, starting with Derrick Henry and moving on down. Is that accurate?
1: Yep. uh, It's about, let me see, about, I think, 12 running backs from Derrick Henry to Royce Freeman. Mm
2: -hmm. So, yeah, it
1: was just, um, I think it's a really interesting group of running backs because those are all guys that have, I think, well, most of them have RB1 potential because you can have. Uh there's Derrick Henry, obviously, who's killed us the past few year, Well, past two years. And then there's a lot of intriguing rookies. So I was just wondering when I'm looking at the talent discrepancies, I think Royce Freeman's severely underrated, in all, and all in Ronald Jones. You know how much I love Ronald Jones. So I'm just mm-hmm. wondering why I think they should not be at the bottom of that tier compared to like Sonny Michelle, Darius Guys, etc.
3: Okay. Yeah, this is and this is an interesting tier too because it is just one of those tiers there's going to there are going to be a couple of rb1s that emerge from this and if you hit those in those middle rounds it's obviously an incredibly huge edge so i'm glad you bring this tier up uh to me the main questions with ronald jones and royce freeman are right after they draft these guys rather than be like we found our guy we're so excited to have them in The team has gone and said, well, we have Peyton Barber. And obviously, uh, you know, is that legitimate? Is that just coach speak, you know, making the rookie earn it? Most likely. But they've made those comments on multiple chances now. Uh, And same with Royce Freeman. Yeah, he's an early down thumper, but we have – uh, Devonte Booker, he has to beat out, and all these. None of the teams have been like, "All right, this is our guy," and we're super excited for him. Um, and not that Sony Michelle has had that happen yet either, nor will he ever, because we know what to expect with Patriots running backs. Um, but I'd rather tie myself to a committee in New England where they've scored the second most running back points uh, for two straight seasons as a team. They've scored uh, the top two running back points in the league uh, for fantasy versus the god-awful Broncos, the god-awful Bucks. We know how bad they fucked us last year with uh, Doug Martin and us thinking that that backfield actually had some value. Their line is god-awful in both situations. So I don't want either of those guys. Give me the guy in the Patriots high-powered attack um, that could could and probably will be used in the Deion Lewis role. I absolutely love that. So if we're talking about the rookie running back, Sonny Michel is head and shoulders, uh, in my opinion, above those guys, whether or not in talent-wise. I think he's the better talent, too. But in just terms of everything else around him, I think Sonny Michel is head and shoulders above those guys.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I was just looking basically at the talent. So you have Royce Friedman at a 19 and Ronald Jones at a 19. Then you have Sonny Michelle at 24. I think five points is kind of a lot of points. A little enough. steep.
3: Okay. I'll reconsider. And I think so, 19 sounds a little bit low for those rookies too. I guess that's more... I grade rookies always a little bit lower unless I truly love them just because I haven't seen it on an NFL field yet. But that does feel like it's lower than it needs to be, especially because I have, like, Nick Chubb at 20. I don't think he's better than those guys. So you're right. I I think I need to reconsider those talents.
1: Yeah, I feel like when it comes to rookies, a lot of them, like, obviously have Michelle and and Nick Chubb who went to Georgia and, like, were in the national title game and everything. And then you have the guys on the West Coast, like Ronald Jones and Morris Freeman, who put up monster numbers. But... You no one sees them play because they're at eleven o'clock. So
2: Well, for you in a bar? There's like guys walking by. Is that Alex <laughs> Trakoff behind you?
3: <laughs> Pretty much that's the best place to come. No, it's settlers of Catan night, so they're all kind of the herd is starting to slowly walk in for, for Catan night. So yeah, do, do whatever, that's fine. Okay. But yeah, no, it's it's there will be no bothers. They're actually a live audience. They love listening to the podcast. My hand's been sitting on the couch just soaking in what we're we're saying this whole entire time. Oh, good. Well, it's free, but you should also subscribe to the Wolfpack. Absolutely. Make sure you're subscribing. <laughs> CJ, you got, what a, else we got, you got any team? other beefs, any I other questions? I am glad you mentioned Derek Henry, though. I know this wasn't a direct question, yeah, um, but he's somebody that ended up grading out higher than I expected, higher than what I had him ranked um, because of how much I love his talent. I think that really bumped him up. But also the more I dig into LaFleur – Uh, And I'll have an article on this coming out this week. He keeps talking about how the run game is his foundation, and it backs it up when you look at his last two offenses where he's had his fingerprints on. One, both of them have led the league in scoring with the Rams and then the Falcons the year before. He was part of those uh, coaching staffs that helped craft those offenses. And both of those offenses were – towards the bottom half in the league in terms of run, uh, pass game percentage. So they were run heavier uh, versus uh, the rest of the league. In ter- they, I think it was like 54% pass versus uh, 46% run, which was uh, significantly different than league average. So I think the volume, I am actually discounting Henry and Lewis right now, even though I love both their talents. I can kind of see this being an a de- um, Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram light type of situation where both guys approach 1,200 total yards. Henry gets closer to 9, 10 touchdowns. Lewis gets the 50, 60 catches. The the Tennessee backfield in general, I'm just glad. I I wanted a reason to talk about them, and you kind of gave me it. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts because I know you're down on them. Um, I, I just think there's a lot more upside there that is going to go for a cheap price. Remember we called them like a good investing opportunity two years ago? I see this as a good investing opportunity. A committee shadow hold, hangs over it, but there's really some serious upside underneath that. That silver lining has tons of upside potential, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I feel... I mean, I don't know if um after looking at it, and it's being, what's so like two months away from, from free agency or whatever. I think we were just so upset about the Derrick Henry situation so that it kind of just so like, was an instant reaction to just like dive off of them. Right. But I mean, I don't know. I'm still I'm not sure if I want to target... Either running back, but
3: Mm-mm.
1: I don't know. Just like a situation that I'm kind of upset about. <laughs> it's not right. as
3: much. Yeah. Dare we
2: say salty it, about it?
3: Yeah, a little bit. A little sad. And you know, one guy who in this tier that you, you're mentioning, um, I'm glad Nat kind of forced me to update the rankings in terms of score because one guy who was way out of this, not even close to these guys. But then after I did the grades, so like these, this is this grouping is kind of a mix of tier five and six and even some sevens. Um, Rex Burkhead was a tier nine running back in my rankings. And then after we resorted it with Nat, popped up all the way into like right in the smack dab middle with like fives and six tier guys. So, you know, I think I might have been way too harsh, similar to the the knee jerk Derrick Henry reaction. Just like, ah, damn it, Sonny Michelle's there. I wanted Burkhead to be the RB1 and he was going to just crush it. Um, I still think he's going to be a huge value after grading him out. That's a guy that really jumped up in my rankings. Still, a, you know, good enough talent, great usage, and a high-powered offense. I, I think Burkhead could do some damage, and he's somebody that ended up grading out a lot higher than I expected.
1: And you know he's a favorable Belichick guy, so he'll still get probably six-plus touchdowns and whatnot. Absolutely. And then there was one that I was looking at a few days ago when you sent this to me. I think you did correct it, though, with David Njoku. I was, okay, th- I think yeah. he was a few days ago. He was like in the late 20s or mid 20s, and now he moved mm-hmm. up to that area with like OJ Howard and Austin Severian Jenkins.
3: So, so yeah, I feel he's like he's, a
1: he's like well corrected now. Yeah. But yeah. Other than that, I think. Um, I don't know we have a lot of the same thoughts with talent and everything. So just that okay. that one running back area is the one that I was really looking at.
3: And that's such a hard one to sort through. So I'm glad you bring it up. And I'm still, I look at the, that was when I was making these grades, that was one that just took me like eight guys took me like 45 minutes to grade out because I just couldn't be like, oh, well, now I got to go back to Darius Geis because I gave Derek Henry this score. And Geis is almost like a baby version. And that tier took me so long to grade out. Um, and it's still there's still tons to unfold in training camp with guys you mentioned, Ronald Jones, Jones and Royce Freeman. Let's say that opportunity uh, bumps up. Let's say they're flying around the NFL field and showing they belong. Their talent scores could skyrocket. There's a few guys in that tier that might separate themselves and really just kind of join the, the Rashad Penny, Jay Ajayi, Kenyon Drake tier. I think there's definitely a few names on that list um, I could see jumping up and vaulting in there depending on how training camp and things are going.
1: I did see a note today about the Miami running backs about how their starting jobs still open up for grabs. I guess uh, ba- what has, is like, that like good in OTAs or something so.
3: <laughs> yeah, like Frank come on, Frank Gore, the corpse is going to start over That's the guy true. that is the PFF all-time leader in yards. Uh, yards after contact per attempt. Give me a break. It's Kenyon Drake's job. The guy is special. I don't know what they're doing. They're just playing hard to get right now. It's going to be Drake's job. He's going to dominate. And I think he's going to create a good value if people are actually going to buy into Frank Gore starting. Count me as a non-believer. I don't know what are your thoughts now. I know you're a Frank Gore truther. I mean. I am a
2: Frank Gore truther, but like Kenyon Drake should be the man. Like, let's not be stupid here. I mean, but, but Frank Gore, like if, if you told me at the end of the season, yeah, Frank Gore ran for 1,100 yards or something, it's not like it would be the most shocking thing in the world. Wouldn't at all. <laughs> but, you know, I, I would certainly, I would certainly be going with Kenyon right now. Yeah. Respect to Frank Gore, though. Absolutely. All right, CJ, thanks for joining us. Quick question uh, just on the way out. Which would make you saltier if LeBron... Uh, came to the Celtics, or if Tom Brady got traded to the Jets?
1: Um, at this point in their careers, I'd say LeBron to the Celtics.
2: Wow. Less salty <laughs> if Tom Brady went to the Jets. Wow. I don't
1: know what I'd do, man. That would that'd ruin my life, basically.
2: <laughs> I, woke up,
1: I woke up with about like 60 uh, replies to my Twitter after the Celtics lost the Cavs, so it wasn't great.
2: <laughs> I mean, if, you, if, if LeBron came to the Celtics, they'd win a bunch of titles.
1: Uh, it'd be it'd be really tough. It'd be tough to do. But I, you wouldn't want them. <laughs> I don't know. They they wouldn't be. I mean, they obviously the banners all look the same, but I just don't know what I would do with myself.
2: All right. Well, hopefully we won't have to cross that bridge. It's been not. fun having you on the show. Um, you got any social media you want to throw out there? Any any parting shots for the crowd?
1: No. Just follow River street Journal twitter instagram facebook all that stuff so yeah we're working on that right now making it better oh yeah our youtube page which we're just starting to oh, do yeah. well on so it's clicking yeah i always getting forget- a lot of good interaction and getting a lot of subscribers now so
3: yeah our youtube page is crushing i always forget that the i'm on kind of like a robot at our, our end of you know episode social medias i need to start making sure i pump that that thing is taking off i absolutely love what what the youtube page is doing these days it's great yeah definitely
2: All right, CJ, thanks for coming on the show. See ya. All right, see you guys. All right, that's going to do it. Three good guests. You know, the, the expectations were low for CJ, but he did a good job. Thanks, CJ. Appreciate it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say he had a nice, like, in you know, over the head of the shortstop single. Yeah, right, he kind of laced on.
2: it at like a Texas leaguer into the into the left center. Uh, maybe, like, a, a faster runner might have even gotten a double out of it, but he ended up, right, he he ended up the, with well, a single. He thought was. about it and then was like, nah. Yeah, um, a, you know, pull a hamstring or something if I do this one. So thanks a lot to Joe. Thanks a lot to Jimmy Mac, Jimbo Slice. And thanks a lot to CJ, the Salt Man. We appreciate it. Um, Rotor Street Journal staff, we got some good guys, some good people.
3: It's nice having Episodes on like the this remind you just how deep we are. You know, this is just three of our – got a solid staff of 10 or 12 guys now working on it. And that goes – you know, I guess that's a good chance to pump up. If you're interested, you like what you're hearing and think you have something to bring to the table, whether it's video editing skills, whether you might be a great writer, a strong opinionated takes. We're never opposed to adding people. We love who we have. We're not desperately seeking anything right now. Um, But if you're interested and, and you know, know that we're going to blow up the way we are – then then feel free to reach out and let us know what you can do because we're we're always interested in adding talented guys. And episodes like tonight, you know, really brings home the fact that we've got some great minds here and it's awesome. I, I love it. I'm very thankful for what we got here. It's, it's incredible. All right. You got some social media you want to pump up? Of course, I'll start with the YouTube channel because I just said how I want to make sure I pump that up. Uh, Roto Street Journal on YouTube, it has been crushing it lately. Good interaction, good comments going on it. Um, and we're trying to really make a concerted effort to make that our huge offseason season gainer. Um, but, of course, you can find me at Roto Street Wolf on Twitter and Snapchat. Great interactions going on on both platforms these days. And then Roto ST Journal, Twitter and Snapchat for our main page. Roto Street Journal on Facebook and Instagram. I'd say Facebook by far. Make sure you follow because we have tons of new broadcasts we're working on behind the scenes right now, uh, including Fantasy Fullback Dive. Hopefully within the next two weeks, I'd say, is my kind of timeline on it. Hopefully we'll be broadcasting this live on Facebook one of the next times you see us. So super excited to debut that, get some live interaction during the show. Uh, it, it, that's going to be fantastic. That's going to be the next big step, I have a feeling. Um, plus many others, Daily Draft Wizards, all these new things coming out. So make sure you're tracking us. Make sure you're following along. Summer isn't even here yet, and we're ready to just take off. So it's going to be awesome. Just super excited for what's going on here. Yeah, true story. My name's not the Truth Jones. And I'm the Wolf. See you guys. Later. Now's our curtain call. So for the applause and wave out to the crowd and take our final bow oh, it's our time to go but at least we stole the show at least we stole the show at least we stole the
1: show at least we stole the show at least we stole the show, stole the show. straight ahead Devlin, second down third effort
4: touchdown
2: <laughs>